What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. I hope that you have absolutely enjoyed the first week of 2024. I know that many of you may be wondering what the update is since the Christmas episode, but seeing as I actually recorded all of these in advance, your guess is just as bloody good as mine. (laughs) One thing that I will say, and it will be relevant to this episode today, is that when Jake first contacted me, and even though I always would have responded, one thing that I didn't do was be in the practice of the pause when he texted me, and I responded quite quickly. And on the day that I responded to Jake, I felt really aligned and it felt really great. And then afterward, there's so much encompassed in our relationship and in our breakup that about 24 hours later, after starting to be in communication with him again, after three months of not, a lot of uncomfortable emotions showed up in my space that I didn't actually expect to the degree that they did surface, including anxiousness as at one stage I was really seeing my life move in one direction, which was coming back to Perth and being single. And now all of a sudden, spanner thrown in my work, Jake and I are back in conversation. He even sent me a message on the Monday saying, I'm cutting communication with any woman that I have been speaking to up until now so that I can put my priority and my energy and my focus into being in communication with you. And so all of this caused a lot of confusion within my world and it came from a place that I didn't expect. It was this curveball that came from left field that I didn't know was going to circle back around. And as I was sitting with all of this and some of the discomfort and some of the anxiousness that showed up, I was like, whoa, I haven't been with some of these emotions in a little while. And it really created this incredible amount of desire to support women to be able to hold ourselves even more powerfully in the face of relationship, in the face of dating, and in the face of breakup. Because I know for so many of us, we do resonate with the anxiousness that can be attached to these experiences. And because of that, I created this intense desire to bring on more relationship experts, creating massive transformation for women who do resonate with being anxiously attached and have proven track records of achieving result and success with the women that they work with, supporting them to shift into regulation and secure way of being within themselves and in the face of dating and relationship. And so today I'm bringing on an incredible guest. The work that he does is to support women who are anxiously attached and supports them powerfully to move through that experience. Jaden is so incredible, so intelligent. I literally could have interviewed him for hours. Like I absolutely get to do a round two with Jaden. And Jaden came from me putting up a post on Facebook saying, I am looking for experts in this field. And so many women that I really respect and care for mentioned Jaden's name. So many women that he could not not be the first expert that I interview for you. So I truly hope that you receive so much juice and goodness out of this episode. If you love it, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Jaden so that we can connect with you and so that we can share it as well. Strap yourself in. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here with a really special guest. I put up on Facebook a few weeks ago that I was looking for a coach who has a proven track record of success 
supporting women to shift from anxiously attached into secure. And your name just got thrown at me so many times by so many women and so many women that I really respect and care for. So Jaden Lee Hargreaves, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm really, really pumped to be here and really excited to serve. Uh, I'm so excited to have you. And I'm just curious, when I put that post up and so many women commented your name, why? Like, what is it that you do? How have you created this like proven track record of success that your name got bombarded at me? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, awesome. So I've been coaching full-time for three years now, and I'm an emotions and relationships coach for women. I'm a male specifically working with women in this space and understanding anxious attachment style and understanding how so many women are going through this right now. Like I get it because I was anxious in the past, my whole life until only a few years ago. And so I totally get it, totally understand. And I understand what I needed to do to work through myself so that I can now in turn help my clients do the same thing. And I'm really passionate about it amongst all the other awesomeness that we do inside our program. Mm, I love that. And I guess I have two questions off the back of that. Are you saying anxiousness specifically for you in the face of relationship is question one. And question two is why women? Yeah, so anxious definitely inside my particular relationships. And we can definitely talk about how we're not anxious across the board. It's a really important conversation to have. Uh, So why women? Well, essentially, long story short, I wanted to start coaching men on mindset. Mm -hmm. But then I started doing deeper healing work and unlocked the power of emotional release work. And I started shifting all my marketing to be an emotions coach for men. Mm -hmm. Now, as you would imagine, that dropped like a lead balloon, right? Because Mm -hmm. guys don't like talking about their emotions too much. But what happened was a lot of women were reaching out to me, asking me to connect with their partners Mm -hmm. because they loved what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I would reach out. I wouldn't hear anything back, but the women were still talking to me and still sharing their challenges, what's going on for them. And I knew I could help them. And so before I knew it, all of my clients were women. And I realized that this is actually the space that lights me up the most. You know, I've got a lot of natural feminine energy in me as well. And so I can really talk in this space and really hold a lot of big, deep emotional space Mm -hmm. for my female clients. And I thrive in it. I love it. Women are way more ready to have this depth Mm -hmm. of conversation. And so I love it. Amazing. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the path of least resistance. Like even if it's not what you want to do, your personality thinks it's not, God's just like nudging you in the right direction. (laughs) Here you go, Jaden. Here you go, Jaden. Now here's your business, Jaden. I love that. Kind of reminds me of me and my herpes journey where I was like, I'm not talking about that on the internet. And God's like, but yes, you are. (laughs) Nice. So good. So I love what you said about anxiousness not being across the board, because I know that we're here specifically to receive your expertise on supporting women who experience anxious attachment in the face of relationship. And I also identify as this, and I know where our attachment styles come from, and it's not my field of expertise. And the women who come to me, they learn how to express themselves courageously, be themselves in the world, present themselves and find their aligned partner. And then all this anxiousness will show up for them. And there can be a lot of embarrassment and shame around being anxiously attached. So can we just open the conversation there and you share what you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, let's buckle up. So let's get to the origins of why anyone becomes anxious in the first place. Nice and simple, it's due to abandonment. Mm -hmm. 
abandonment at an early age, right? When we have our core needs as a child, especially developmental age between zero and seven, we need support, we need connection. We need our big people, typically our parents, to be there to support us, okay? Mm -hmm. But if they've raised us unconsciously to use love conditionally to get us to do what they want, then what happens is they use it and they take it away in order to coerce and control us. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is if you're not a good girl, if you're not a smart girl, if you're not pretty enough, smart enough, fast enough, whatever enough, mm-hmm. that love is withheld in one way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And every time that love is withheld, that's abandonment and you mm-hmm. feel that. And so that just triggers off the nervous system like crazy to want to regain that level of connection again, to want to close that gap, so to speak, so that there's that connection and you feel safe, you feel seen, heard, loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. And so if that's not present or if that's been weaponized in childhood, Mm -hmm. then that is the pattern that's going to continue. Now, to add on to that, something you said before about it's not across the board, this is really important. When we come to identifying ourselves, Whatever we say we are, we are. Mm -hmm. And if we declare ourselves as anxious attachment, then that's the filter or the lens we see our entire world through. Mm -hmm. It's actually not the case. Mm -hmm. And I want to just share something with you and the listeners that it's going to help you shift your perspective a little bit and help you realize that you're not all that. Mm -hmm. Think about every single relationship you have with every single person in your life right now. Are there some people that you're just like, oh, I couldn't be bothered talking to that person? Mm -hmm. like that person annoys me or like "Eh, that's just my friend and they're cool yes or maybe you've got your mom or your dad or your partner or someone you're like oh I'm super anxious around them Mm -hmm. you're not all anxious Mm -hmm. you have the capacity and the ability to be avoidant Mm -hmm. and to be secure around other people so that means you're not all anxious I love that perspective yeah but for the woman that's listening right now, that's like, okay, I get that with my mom and my dad, my sister, my brother, whoever it is, it doesn't show up there. But as soon as I enter the dating world, all my shit shows up to the surface and it feels unbearable. And I'm almost feeling like, why am I like this? And the security that I feel in the face of my family, I'm not feeling in the face of him. And even that logical thing that you're saying right now, Jaden, for me as an emotional woman, it's just not resonating. Like, why am I still like this? Beautiful. So what it comes down to is getting really clear on what part of you needs to be in a relationship. What does being in a relationship give you? Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. So the whole thing about, you know, you you see in movies like romantic movies where they they whisper that beautiful word, you know, that's that sentence, you complete me. Mm. What a load of horseshit. Mm -hmm. It's so wrong. It's so backwards. We are led to believe that someone else is destined to be there, to be the yin to our yang, to complete us, right? To be this cute little pendant thing that locks in and we're forever buddies. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it tells us that there's a hole in us or a void in us that can only be filled by someone else. And so we become desperate or needy or clingy to that other person to make us feel whole, to make us feel calm, to make us feel loved and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And so we feel insecure about ourselves as we are. And so we need to latch onto someone in order to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. So it's about getting really clear on why we have that compulsion in the first place. Mm -hmm. And talking about compulsions is very, very important. Mm -hmm. We understand and appreciate that all humans are emotional creatures. We are all, all emotions. We are emotions through and through, and we have a mind. 
not the other way around. We're not a mind that has these annoying things called emotions. We are pure emotion. We are experiential. Everything is coming through us, working through us, and we experience it all. Now, we are driven by either moving away from emotional pain or moving towards emotional pleasure. They're the only two factors, right? The only polarities. The skew is like 90% moving away from emotional pain. So if we feel something inside of us and we don't know what it is, but it feels quote unquote bad, Mm -hmm. then we're going to want to move away from it. Mm -hmm. And so if we feel lonely, if we have that recollection of that trauma, a wound being tapped onto about being abandoned, not feeling good enough, ultimately coming down to not being safe, Mm -hmm. we want to avoid that emotion as quickly as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's why when we get into a relationship, it strings up this whole thing about, oh my God, here's my savior. Here's the person keeping me safe. Here's the person saving me from my emotional discomfort that I don't know how to deal with. Before the partner came along, it was Netflix, it was alcohol, it was whatever crap to numb or disassociate or disconnect or distract from the emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And now that this partner is here to fill that void, cool, all of my focus goes on them. And all the while, I haven't done a damn thing about actually resolving what's going on within me. I'm using everyone else as a compulsive addiction to cater to my needs because I haven't been able to do the work yet. I love that so much. I want to put it into almost an example that maybe women are going to be able to resonate with how it might play out in their reality. I've met some female friends in Bali and many of them have said, I'm really good when I'm not with someone. I'm really good when I'm not dating. I'm really good when I'm casually seeing people that I don't care about. As soon as I start seeing a man that I like, the anxiousness comes and the kind of behaviors that can play out in is noticing when he's online and hasn't yet responded to her, noticing the gap between when she sends a message and how long it takes to reply, noticing if he's read a message and seen it but not responded, going to his Instagram followers frequently to check if he's followed a new woman. And this to me is an example of an anxiously attached woman and the behaviours that could come out. Is that true? 100%. 100%. So for the woman that is like, okay, I do that and I didn't realise that other people do that because the women that share with me, that they experience so much deep embarrassment, feeling like they should almost be better than this behaviour. What is playing out for them as they go to check his followers? What is playing out for them as they see the message that's being left on scene and then they're doing their head in for the next three hours until he responds? But as soon as he responds, there's almost relief in their system of like, oh, I'm okay. He's responded until he doesn't respond again. What is going on for those women? Yeah, such a good question. So to understand this, we need to understand our ego and understand what it's doing and what its objective is. So if you talk about your ego with your followers, essentially the ego is there to keep us safe. That's its job, Mm -hmm. right? It's there to protect us. It's our ability to focus on potential threats. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we are imagining something happening, projecting it into the future, And we do that repeatedly, that's called anxiousness, Mm -hmm. right? We're continuously stressing ourselves out. Mm -hmm. Now, why would we be stressing ourselves out when we're looking at someone else's Instagram, their followers, or they're not responding? Why are we doing that? Well, we're looking for threats. And the reason why we're looking for threats is because an anxious attachment style needs to feel in control. They need to know what's happening. They need to have all the information at the ready so they can prepare themselves ahead of time for the emotional barrage that's to come. Wow. 
Anxious attachment styles love to project into the future every possible scenario. When this person says this, then I'll say that. And if they answer like this, then I'll answer like that. And then I'll say that. But if they go this way, then I'll say that, 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 that. Mm -hmm. It's all this massive projection, which is only predicated on our past experiences. So our ego can only project from the experiences we've had in the past. And if we've had plenty of experiences in the past, where we've been abandoned, let down, cheated on, all that sort of thing, that's the body of knowledge that it's using to project a potential future. Mm-hmm. And so if you've been let down and hurt before, you're going to expect it again. Mm. And so all of this is a way to gain some level of control to regulate your nervous system again. But again, what it's doing is it's avoiding our internal state and actually working on what's coming up. Now, you mentioned as well, you hear a lot of women talking about when I'm outside of a relationship, I'm good, but as soon as I'm in, I'm bad. Well, Mark Tyson's got a beautiful quote about this is everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And this is, I believe, a big misconception. This happens with a lot of my clients. They say, oh, I'm out of relationships and I'm going to go find myself and I'm going to heal and I'm going to do all this sort of stuff and it's going to be amazing. Like, that's so good. Go rock on. But I just want to let you know, you will not be able to heal your relationship dysfunctions until you're in a relationship. You can't shadow box and then think you're going to be good in the ring. It doesn't work like that. You need to have those situations happen for you to practice and work through. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these challenges, these triggers are only coming up when they're in a relationship because that's when they're presented with the challenges. When they're outside of a relationship, those things aren't coming up. So they don't have to deal with them. So they're quote unquote good. Yes. So would you almost say the person that's like, I'm going to just work on me. And it's the relationship stuff that they are working on that could almost be coming from protection and or avoidance because the true work to do this healing. And is that relevant to the anxiously attached and the avoidant? Yeah, 100%. Both anxious and avoidant are actually both trying to do the exact same thing in different ways. Yes. Avoiding emotions. Yes. And for the woman that is listening, I know a lot of my girlfriends and community align with having really great parents, like even my primary caregivers, even my mum and dad beautiful humans, love me so deeply, have never done anything where they would have intentionally wanted to abandon me. Like the abandonment emotionally that has potentially been created didn't look like parents hurting and harming a child. And there's almost a resistance to claiming what's actually happened emotionally and calling it emotional abandonment as if we're saying that our parents did a bad job. What would you say to that woman? Yeah, I've heard this plenty of times before and give me one or two sessions and we'll break down the crux of it. It's pretty simple because it turns into a comparison, like a pissing contest. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but like this person who had a broken home, sexually Mm -hmm. abused, abandoned multiple times, she had it really bad. And like, that's why she's got anxious attachment style. Me, I didn't have that. So how could I have it? And now I'm embarrassed because I've got it. Like, I shouldn't have this. Mm -hmm. This isn't right. Now, this is a story that we're telling ourselves because if things are supposed to be good, why am I broken? Why am I not right? Why is something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. When we look at the work of Dr. Gabor Mate, who's an ADHD trauma and addiction expert, we really start to understand this in more detail. First of all, trauma is not the event. Mm-hmm. Trauma is the unprocessed emotion from an event. Mm-hmm. So if you had anything happen, anything that caused a level of dysregulation in your emotional body and you weren't taught how to process and release that emotion in a healthy way, that emotion is stored in your body and it's called trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now what trauma is also is not just what happened, but what didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So if 
there were times where even though your parents were lovely and everything was all kosher, but there was a slight inkling of an experience. Say you got lost in the shopping center for 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't resolved, that's going to cause an emotional blockage that you don't even know about. The amount of women that I've worked with that have abandonment wounds from when they were two years old left in a cot and being told to cry it out. That's how far back it can go. So even though your childhood may seem perfect, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to your parents, they have traumatized you in one way or another. Or you've experienced trauma and you've kept that inside of your body, which is completely filtering the way you perceive your world. And it's mm-hmm. causing all of this ripple effect throughout. Yes, love that. Using that example of being lost in a shopping center for 20 seconds, when you say it wasn't resolved, what would have needed to happen for that child in the dynamic of their parent for that to have resolution? Yeah, so the main thing is acknowledgement and validation, right? Huge and getting the safety to fully feel the emotions that that child was feeling at the time. And so I, I do this with my clients all the time. It's going back to a memory, not changing the memory, but experiencing the emotions connected to that memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is really important. And if you'll indulge me for a bit, I'll explain why this is so important. Please. Yeah. So if you could all imagine the aquarium glass, you know how thick that stuff is, like foot, two foot thick, right? A really thick aquarium glass. If you turn that on side and that's what you see your world through, okay? Mm-hmm. When you were born, it wasn't that thick. This lens was quite small because you hadn't had any other experiences. You were just born. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, you experience situations, things in your life, you start getting the values of your family, you start experiencing little traumas and big traumas, depending on your upbringing, you get the beliefs, the values, all these sorts of systems, the the cacophony of experiences in your life. And every single time you have a new event happen in any way, shape or form, it adds one new layer, a slice, like a sheet of paper, but it's clear because we're using a glass analogy. And so that lens gets thicker and thicker and thicker the older you get. Now, when we have a certain big emotional experience, say abandonment, say your dad never come home, or say you drew a beautiful picture and your parents tried to guide you and say, oh, but you drew outside the lines there and they're trying to guide you the right way. But you interpreted that as, well, if my picture's not good enough, then I'm not good enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. That memory when that layer comes in, it's tinted mm-hmm. and it's say it's tinted red. And so from then on for the rest of your life, you can't perceive the world unless it's filtered through that red tinted layer. It's always there. And so when we go back to a memory, a core memory, find what the emotion is attached to it. Mm-hmm. And we work our clients through feeling that emotion. We call feel it to completion, which is enhance it, bring it up, feel it fully. This is where tears, not hanging out of your nose, the works, right? Really move through it. It's hot, it's heavy, it's sweaty, right? And we release all of that energy, teach my clients how to do that, how to close the lid as well so they don't get overwhelmed by their emotion. When we do that, that memory, the layer on it, the tint starts to fade. Mm-hmm. And it fades and fades and fades the more that we do it until a point where you can now perceive your reality, perceive someone doing a thing, say someone was late when they were supposed to meet you on a date, or they haven't replied at a certain time frame that you've just like made up is appropriate. Mm -hmm. That no longer bothers you as much Mm -hmm. because you've released the emotion from the core memory that's associated with let's just say abandonment in this example. Mm -hmm. So the more you release the emotional trauma stored inside your body, 
the less impact day-to-day things have on you now because it no longer is stirring up that unprocessed emotion. Mm. Wow. I love that. You're such a beautiful communicator as well, Jaden. Just incredible. I'm like, just keep talking. I won't even ask. (laughs) I just sit and listen. Where would a woman who's listening right now saying, okay, I actually know that this is in the way of me feeling really good in my life. It's impacting my relationship or my ability to date. Maybe I've put a rule on myself that I'm going to work on me until I am ready to date, but my deepest desire is relationship. How could she just start within herself? What ways would you guide her? Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be two-pronged. For those who feel that there's just massive emotions and they feel that dipping their toe is just going to melt their brain, then we'll do this one first. And so before we get into it, it's about understanding why we're doing what we're doing when it comes to anxiousness. And again, I say we because I was very, very anxious. It's about understanding why we do it. When someone doesn't respond to us in a certain time frame, or we've imagined a certain set of rules that people have to abide by to maintain a level of stability within us, when those expectations aren't met, it brings up our emotional pain. And so we need to try and avoid that emotional pain. We're compulsed to avoid it. And so we get busy. We start focusing. We start worrying. We start rereading all of our text messages. I have this memory of going through my messages and scrolling back weeks and weeks and weeks to this one person. Did I say this one word correctly? And what if that meant that? And oh my God, what if they misconstrued this that way? Oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And I would entertain myself by rereading these long text messages. It's like, Mm -hmm. that is just so intoxicatingly distracting. Mm -hmm. And all of this is to fixate on something that's outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this is the compulsion. Now, what we want to do is choose what we fixate on instead and not just unconsciously jump to whatever we can do to feel a sense of control. Mm -hmm. Appreciating that the only way to get around this is by not acting on our unconscious compulsions Mm -hmm. because that's what we've been doing the whole time previously, Mm. which is not, which is Mm -hmm. doing all the random crap that's got us into this rut in the first place. Mm -hmm. So stopping that and choosing what we focus on instead. Mm -hmm. And what we want to choose to focus on is things that are more empowering. And Mm -hmm. so the way to start first and foremost, which is super important is get clear on your values Mm -hmm. and get clear on the emotions that you want to experience more. And we're just doing this in an intellectual way for now. Mm -hmm. So if we understand what our values are, a value is an emotional experience we want more of. That's what a value is, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you value peace, you value joy, you value whatever, right? Respect, calm, safety, that's a value. Mm -hmm. So know that the collection of your values is your higher self. That's Mm -hmm. the best version of you. Mm. that's your ideal self on that list. And that's a really beautiful thing to connect with. Mm. So when you get clear in your values and you write that down, you can't help but look at that list and just smile and just imagine like, God, it would be nice to be her. Yeah, like, It'd be so lovely to fully embody that version of me. I know she's in there and I may not be feeling that right now, but just allow yourself to dream that it's there. Okay. Mm. Now, when you have that list of values, What we get to do is something called intentional segments. Mm -hmm. This is an absolute game changer. And once I started teaching this to my clients, everything changed. Mm -hmm. We want to look at segments of our day. Mm -hmm. When we first wake up, that's a segment. From when you wake up to when you get out of bed, that's a time of you doing one activity. And say you spend five minutes in bed. 
All right, that's a segment. Mm-hmm. Then when you get out of bed and you go to the toilet, brush your teeth, whatever it is, that's another segment. Mm-hmm. Then when you get into the shower, that's another segment. Mm-hmm. Getting dressed is another segment. Making breakfast is another segment. Getting in the car, another segment, and so on and so on and so on. Your day is broken up into 50 to 100 segments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what we do normally in all of these segments is just let our mind wander. Mm-hmm. And it goes into all these different spaces. What am I going to do today? I'm so busy. Oh my God, I can't believe that Brittany didn't text me back. Oh my God, I've got too many messages on Tinder. There's so many bloody creeps out there. What am I going to do about it? I don't know who to choose. Does this guy really like me? Right? And mine just goes. Mm-hmm. Now, when that's happening, you're just a meat sack doing your habitual patterns and you haven't actually been in control of where you wanted your life to be or anything. You haven't manifested, you haven't been intentional, nothing. Mm-hmm. You've just allowed your mind to project, take you down the bloody yellow brick road and nothing good has come of it. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is set an intention for every segment. So what that means is every time you go to start something new, so say it's jumping in the shower, how do you want to experience that segment? Mm. What is your intention for that segment? Not just a day, like today I want to be brave and strong and courageous and fun. Yeah, cool. You forget about that in 20 minutes and then it's back to the rat race. It's breaking down every single segment. When you get clear in your intention, say in the shower, you're like, I just want to really connect with my body. I just want to really just experience the water and I just want to experience refreshing myself and feeling good. That's all I want to do. I just want to be fully present with the sensations of getting clean, right? That's a beautiful thing. When you're in that shower, when you're in that segment, Because you've set the intention, you now have a polarity of what you wanted, what your intention was, and what is coming up in your monkey mind. And when Mm -hmm. anything comes up in your monkey mind, your anxious mind, oh my God, what about this person? What about this guy? You're going to have that polarity. It's going to say, hey, hey, whoa, I see this thought coming up, but that wasn't my intention. My intention was to be fully present with my body right now. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being here, but You don't belong here. Mm -hmm. You don't belong in this segment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to focus on this because this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Now, if those thoughts are coming up because you've got the anxious mind and that's okay, schedule in time to be anxious. Mm -hmm. So you might say, all right, after this shower, I'm going to do my hair, whatever, and then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ponder some stuff Mm -hmm. for the next 10, 15 minutes. This is my time to be anxious, my time to sort some stuff out. What are those thoughts? Let me write those thoughts down and get them on paper and just look at them and go, okay, I'm doing this for 15 minutes. Let me process this. Mm-hmm. And then after that, cool, 15 minutes is up. Now I'm going to make mm-hmm. breakfast. And what do I want to bring to breakfast? Mm-hmm. That's how we do it in an intellectual way. Now, as I said, this is a game changer because it completely determines what you want to experience at any given time and it allows you to fragment your day, schedule in time to have your thoughts run wild And then every time else, it's intentional. I guess my question for you is on all of that, I love what you shared. Does it require some amount of healthy discipline and or willpower? Because I've had women share with me, I just cannot stop checking his Instagram followers. I've had clients who have deleted the Instagram, so blocked the Instagram and then are texting their friends, can you please check his Instagram for me? So for that woman that feels like just, insanely compulsed by this behavior 
Is it literally requiring some amount of healthy discipline and or willpower to say, I'm not going to choose that behavior? Why does she feel so compulsed to do it to the point that she believes she can't stop? Yep, absolutely. Yes. So when we got that list of values and you've got your ideal higher self. Yes. Is she anxious? No. Does she act on her compulsions? Mm. Is she critical? Does she judge herself? Mm-hmm. Is she full of shame? Mm-hmm. No, she's not. She's none of those things. Mm-hmm. She is kind, compassionate. She is poised. She is graceful. Mm-hmm. And so when you set the intention for a segment, you say, I'm putting my phone down and I don't touch my phone because mm-hmm. my higher self doesn't do that. She doesn't act on compulsions. Mm-hmm. She is responsive and she is present. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do personally, and, and this works for some people, mm-hmm. some people it doesn't resonate with too much. I actually like to imagine that my higher self is watching me mm-hmm. like big brother, but not in like this creepy way, but in this caring and nurturing way, like a mother would watch a child and just watch them create and build and play with things. Mm-hmm. If you're religious, imagine God watching down and enjoying watching you have an experience. Mm-hmm. Imagine your higher self is watching you in a movie and you think, well, the only person I want to impress is her. And so how would she act right now? How would I act to make her just feel so joyous that I'm in alignment with her? Mm. When you become more and more consciously aware of that, your discipline, your motivation, all of that starts to increase exponentially because you're constantly focusing your attention on what you do want instead Mm -hmm. of what you don't want. Mm -hmm. That's the difference there. Love it. I feel fully complete for us to move to step two. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So good. (laughs) So here's where it gets really hard, right? And this is the messy stuff. This is what I personally love because it's essentially the next step. What I just spoke about first isn't a foolproof plan by any means, but it's a bloody good foundational start. Okay. I'm a big fan of the stoic mindset. It's really great. It's an incomplete philosophy, but it's a really good foundational basis for us to be able to think about and observe our thoughts and look at them objectively and be able to navigate around them. So that's more about step one. Step two is about, again, reminding yourselves that anytime you have an anxious thought, it is predicated on based around unprocessed emotional trauma. Mm -hmm. It's seeing the world, it's seeing the fact that he hasn't responded or whatever it is through a particular lens of trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's where its thought process is coming from. And so understanding that and saying, it wants you to compulsively check, do whatever it is to stop the emotional pain. Mm. Here is when you force yourself not to take action Mm -hmm. and you just sit in it and let yourself freak out because you haven't taken action. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets really bloody hard. Are you saying the action right now would be the compulsion, checking the Instagram yes. or checking the unseen? So she's choosing in this moment not to go with that behavior. Yeah, it's not scratching the itch, right? Okay. When you're meditating, right? Or you're not showing that fly away, whatever it is, it's just letting it be there. Yeah. And then instead of fighting it, instead of resisting it, instead of shaming yourself about the the feeling, the itch, the agitation, humbly and lovingly and compassionately step into it. Mm. And you will be amazed at how quickly you'll be brought to tears. Mm. Brought to tears about all of this pain that's just under it. Because typically, anxiousness is started or surfaced with anger. Mm. 
mm. with a sense of righteousness, of justification, of level of hierarchy, okay, that puts you on the top because, well, I need to do this because this, this, this. And it's a forward energy, right? So it's like a stronger energy, but it's erratic. And so understanding that anger is fear masquerading as strength. Mm. So if we use anger as the energy to move us forward and justify our behavior, know that behind all of that anger is sadness. Yeah. Every single time. Yes. And so when we stop and we don't act upon our anger, don't act upon our high energy compulsive behavior, mm -hmm. which is check the phone, do whatever it is, you are going to be met with the reality that you've got deep sadness inside of you. And that mm -hmm. deep sadness will be connected with a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Now, when you can allow yourself to sit in that, show compassion for it, that's when you start to really feel. Yes. How we do this, as I said before, is acknowledgement and validation. Mm -hmm. So I'll give a great example. I do networking events in the city and I was going to visit another networking event. I hadn't been to this one before. And it was an hour to get there and I got there and no one was at this event. I'm just like, what's going on? And I was trying to call these people. No one was answering and I was late for it. I'm like, crap, I've got no idea what to do. Finally found someone and they said, oh, sorry, they haven't come to this venue in months. They must have gone to another venue. I'm like, great. So it was like three hours out of my day and nothing happened, right? I was like, thanks. I'm trying to run a business here, trying to network. And then this happened, but all good. Now, I was feeling a lot of emotional pain from that. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. All this stuff come up. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of just trying to stoically suppress it, because I'm a coach and I know that oh, I should be in control of my emotions and you know, I should just like, disassociate from it, just be like, oh, I'm cool and I'm above all this. No, I was really bloody sad. Mm -hmm. And I could have then unconsciously lashed out and been shitty for the whole day, but that wouldn't have worked either. Mm -hmm. Because of my training, because I know what to do, I immediately noticed the disappointment, the sadness, the abandonment, the not feeling included from my childhood, those, those sorts of wounds were coming up. Instead, I spent the whole car ride home talking to my younger self, imagining that five-year-old little boy who was not picked in the sports team, who found out that his friends went to a party and he didn't get invited, that sort of thing. And I spent time and I spoke out loud to him. I said, hey, mate, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. That mm -hmm. really sucks. I know that's really big and it's really hurting right now. And mm -hmm. I'm so sorry that you feel like this. And I just want to let you know I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. You deserve to be loved. You are lovable. You are enough. And all of that is okay for you to have those big feelings. I just want to let you know that you're allowed to have it. It's normal. right? And I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. What do you need to tell me? And then I would speak from my inner child. And I, I had tears in my eyes. I was saying, you know, this really sucks. I felt so alone. Like I was whimpering in the car. Yeah. This is so healthy to do this. It's so beautiful. And then whatever was coming up, I would nurture that part, validate, acknowledge, give it the space that it needed. It took me about 25, 30 minutes of like really, this is, this is called IFS is what I really practice in. This is internal family systems, deep path work. And so being able to do this, and really emotionally acknowledge and validate that space and feel all of the emotion without judgment, without shame, and just be there in it was enough for me to completely move to the other side mm. and feel good about it. And when it comes to getting over our anxiousness by ourselves outside of a relationship, it's this. Mm. Not acting upon things, sitting in our dysfunction, in our discomfort, and actually feeling through our emotions and letting yourself just crumble and then learn how to pick yourself back up. 
Mm. Now, what should be happening as well is your partner who's avoidant sees that and he should be shifting out of that, being the masculine man, holding your big emotional state, coming to you and serving and supporting you in that. Mm. So beautiful. And I guess that's my next question. If the woman who's feeling anxious is in the face of relationship and she feels like her partner can't hold her in this or she's too fearful to share the truth of her anxiousness with him, what would you share with her about that? Share it. So it's really important to understand avoidant wants to keep a certain distance. They have to, mm-hmm. to keep their own emotions in check. Mm-hmm. And when say you've got three units of distance between you. If the anxious comes forward and closes that gap to two, the avoidant then needs to shift back to three. And so there's this constant chasing, um, running and pursuing sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're having to constantly do that as the anxious, you need to stop. You need to stop and sit there Mm -hmm. and let the avoidant create that distance and then show them how much pain that you're in. Mm -hmm. You are allowed to do that, right? What I see so much of the literature do talk about this is that it's all about the avoidant. No, the avoidant needs to have time to go and take 20 minutes and go relax and decompress, and then they can come back and continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. All the while, the anxious is just abandoned that whole 20 minutes. Mm. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. There's so much responsibility put on the anxious to sort everything out when the avoidant needs to be stepping up as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big advocate for putting so much more responsibility on the avoidant to step up. It's really bloody important. So the anxious, what they want to do, what's really important as well to understand the reason why the avoidant stepping away is because they've got the big emotions, right? And they're afraid of the big emotions. So how I empower my clients to do this, to invite their avoidant partners closer to them is learning how to regulate their emotions and come from a place of calm even though they've got a fire in their belly, they want to scream, they want to be emotional, they want to be big. It's about being poised and being collective, being graceful and sharing with acknowledgement and validation and compassion. And instead of acting upon our big emotions, saying, hey, I know that I've been acting or maybe I bail you up emotionally sometimes or maybe I nag at you a lot and you know, maybe I come off as really needy to you. I just want to let you know that I acknowledge that. I get that I have that ability to do that and I can see how much that pushes you away. Mm -hmm. I want to let you know that I'm sorry that I'm doing that and this is a part of my attachment style. At the same time, when you pull away, it's actually making me want to come closer to you. This is something that I know is dysfunctional in our relationship for both of us. And so I'm working really hard on not acting like that anymore. And Mm -hmm. is it okay if we work on this together as a team where I learn to become more collected in my thoughts, collected in my emotional expression so that I'm more regulated so that I don't push you away. And is it okay that while I'm practicing that, you can be brave enough to step forward in my time of calm while I'm learning? I love that so much. I guess I want to ask you a few questions about you as well, if you don't mind. Sure, go for it. I know that you said that you were at one stage very, very anxious. And you've been married for a long time, right? Yeah, together 14 years, married seven. Yes. So were you anxiously attached when you met your wife? Yes. And so you have done the healing within your relationship? Yes. And your wife's attachment style was or is? Was disorganized. Okay. 
And what was the breaking point for you to be like, I actually truly have got to work on this to shift into a new way of being? What was that point for you? Yeah, we both worked on it at the same time. So it actually got so bad we were close to separating because I couldn't handle the her not fighting for me. That was a really big thing. She just she couldn't do it. Like I would literally tell her, if I walked out the door today, I know that you wouldn't fight for me and that hurts too much. Yes. That was such a big thing. And so it came to this tipping point where I said, you've got to go get help. You've got to go get support. And so she went and got support on her avoiding a disorganized attachment style. And my wife had string of, of narcissistic abusive relationships, right? Really dysfunctional childhood. So she had a lot of stuff to unpack and process. Now, what her therapist was coming back and telling her was that a lot of what I was doing was exacerbating her. Now, because I was doing a lot of the research on myself and being more consciously aware myself, I knew that I had a part to play. I just didn't know what it was yet. And so when my wife was relaying from her therapist what I was doing, I had to learn to be truly humble in that and accept the fact that, holy crap, I'm adding to this and it's not just all her. And so I had to take massive amounts of responsibility. I do have the problem. Yeah, right? It is me. Right. It's so humbling to to accept this. It's a big deal. And we need to do that. We have to realize that it's not them that has to fix everything. Okay. Yes, they need to step forward 100%. But my goodness, we can come a long way and help the situation. And so we both as a team work together on it. Wow. How long would you say that it took from that moment of, oh, wow, it's not just her, her therapist has come back and relayed this information. I'm realizing I'm contributing to this. From that moment that you decided we're going to do this together as a team, what was the time frame around like truly feeling like, whoa, we've, we've moved mountains here? Yeah, I would say it was a solid three months of, of like. So not a long, long time. No, but as you can tell, I'm a talker and I love really crunching things on a pretty, yes. pretty hard hard way and my wife's incredibly smart and so I had to learn how to not take up all of the space and be okay with her taking time to process and talking in a time frame that's right for her and so I could just talk 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 all day and dominate the conversation but that meant that she never felt heard validated feel like she had a space to, to share so I had to learn to appreciate silence and let her speak and speak when she was ready. And the more time I gave her, the less time she ended up needing. It was a really beautiful thing. And so we found out this beautiful choreographed dance that we could do back and forth and understand we really worked hard on this. And I'm talking like every night we would chat really late to try and work on this. And now like, it's not like it's just done and resolved. We're always leveling up, we're always upgrading. It's been three and a half years since that happened. and Every single day, we're still learning, still growing, still developing and talking about this and refining it bit by bit as we go. It's a never-ending journey. And would you say that those traits can still come up in the face of a trigger? I would hate for any woman to be listening right now and be like, I'm going to go from anxiously attached to secure and all of a sudden, my life is perfect. (laughs) Does it still show up to a degree but to a much lesser degree to what it used to or you just understand it more? What's your experience of it like now? Exactly that. It still comes up. And because I live and breathe emotional regulation, I know how to work through my stuff now. And so because me and my wife are now a team, 
we understand each other's triggers. We understand each other's perceptions. We understand when each other needs a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And so if my wife's overwhelmed about something, I know that I don't need to double step forward. That's a Mm -hmm. stupid idea. It's only going to make her retreat more. So that's when I know, I go, hey, babe, I can see you need some space and time to process. All good. I'm going to give you that. As an anxious person saying that, that's huge because then I have to deal with that extended period of time of not having my answers, Mm. which means I have to learn to sit with that and be okay with that. Mm. And that's where my work happens. And she gets to take her time and then we come back together. And so there's this beautiful dance where my wife as well, she realized sometimes Jaden needs an answer because he's in a lot of pain right now. And so she bravely steps forward for me now and we do this together. Yes. So powerful. I could literally interview you all day long. I have two more questions and I'm probably going to have to request that you come back for a sequel. Of course. But thank you so much. Question number one is what impact do you feel like Walt Disney and selling young girls the happily ever after fairy tale is having on anxiously attached women? What a great question. (laughs) So good. Yeah, it's horrible. It's really genuinely horrible. And having a a daughter myself and seeing those old stories, a lot of the newer ones, they're really changing that story, which I really like. But some of the previous ones, yeah, it's definitely had a massive impact. And as I said before about that movie quote, you complete me and that I need to be saved, I need to be rescued. I'm not fulfilled unless is a really toxic situation to have predicated in our generation. Mm -hmm. Now, we could get into the whole conversation about masculine energy and feminine energy and where we feel right and where we feel safe. And there's a lot to say about that dynamic, but it completely ignores the, the evolution of women and the freedom of women to have their own choice, to feel empowered, to express their needs and find a level of congruent happiness inside of a relationship. So it's about opening up these conversations continuously and really just changing the dynamic about it all, changing the story and stop forcing princessiness into our children. And I'm not here to say, let's make all women boys and let's make them all strong, independent characters that don't know how to trust, don't know how to love, because that's also ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. It's about finding that happy, beautiful balance of both that she can stand on her own and be confident in that, but also know that she can be so empowered and protected and served by a man who's right for her as well. Mm, Love that so much. Oh, my God. You're just so amazing and I love, I truly just love how you communicate and I just know why every woman said that you're so brilliant. I have one final question for you, which is, Jaden Lee Hargreaves, what does it mean uniquely to you to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? It means everything. Uh, Let's go into this. All right, so... My anxious attachment style, I had massive social anxiety. Mm -hmm. All I wanted to do was to make people like me. And Mm -hmm. I had to control whether they liked me or not. And so my whole life was about, if I don't know that this person's going to like me, I'm going to make sure they dislike me the way I want them to dislike me. That's Mm -hmm. how dysfunctional it was. So I would make sure I was overly rude or whatever it was to that person. So at least I could control and I knew why that person didn't like me. That's how dysfunctional I was. So for all the people that I I wanted to like me, 
I would pretzel myself. I would bend over backwards. I would be the class clown, the joker. I would put myself down. I would be the know-it-all. I would be the controlling person. I would be the one giving unsolicited advice. I was doing all of this stuff in order to be everything to everyone else apart from who I truly was. Mm. I was layers upon layers upon layers of masks. When I started this personal journey and I started really understanding all of my dysfunctions, all of my masks that I was hiding behind, I started to start taking them off layer by layer by layer by layer and getting to my core self and realizing that I am passionate about things. I am passionate about expressing myself, about being vulnerable, being open, talking about shit that people find taboo and really blowing the lid off this and just being fully and expressively myself unapologetically. And that has taken so long to do. I remember the first time I spoke in public at my old corporate job in front of the whole leadership team, CEOs, everything, I cried. I cried in front of everyone. They had to take the microphone away from me. Now I get to speak in front of hundreds of people. I've been a trainer at one of the biggest coaching schools in the world. I have changed so much. And it's by embracing and loving my authenticity and just allowing myself to be me fully and trusting that people will love and appreciate me for my realness. And it was scary at the start, but now there's no other way to live life. Mm, well, that's going to resonate with every single one of the women within my community because there's many things that women come into my world because of and some of them are stigmatized and taboo and there's this lack of safety to feel like she can be herself in the world until it gets to that point where she's like fuck it doing the opposite of choosing me is causing so much destruction and pain for everyone around me but most importantly myself and now the only way out is through and really being myself fully in every moment. So I'm sure that I really appreciate it and love and really want to celebrate and acknowledge your incredible journey because you're such an incredible man just to receive and listen to. I could listen to you speak all day long. So it truly is a testament to all the work that you have done. Thank you so much, Beck. It's been really such a privilege to be able to share and serve and, and get this message out because there's so many anxious attachment style women that are judging and shaming themselves for being in this space and not feeling like they belong or feeling like they're wrong. I want to let you know that it's natural and normal and it's not your fault yeah. and it's not permanent. There's a way out of it. it. just takes a bit of work, takes a bit of courage, takes a bit of tears, but my goodness, life can and does get better. Mm, so good. I feel like for our sequel, we can do a Q&A for every woman that's listened to this one so that she can bring her unique flavor to the questioning for us. But for any woman in my world that really just wants to dive headfirst into yours, where can we find you? Amazing. So I have social media presence kind of everywhere, but I don't really do it. My wife does it. She's amazing. Uh, but I'm mainly focused on Facebook. So uh, Jaden Lee Hargraves, you can find me and I'm sure you can put a link in there somewhere in the show notes. So Jaden Lee Hargraves and my coaching program, my business is called Reclaim You. And that's where we serve. I've got a team of coaches working together, changing the lives of women everywhere. Mm, amazing. Let's go. I can't wait for all of us to dive headfirst into your world. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Beck. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.